Hello again, everyone. It's good to be with you again in this way. Welcome to Risen Hope Church uh, afternoon worship. Uh, for those that don't know me, I'm Tim Shorey. I'm one of the pastors here at Risen Hope, and our prayer is that all who are watching, all who are listening now, are experiencing the grace, the hope, and the help of God, who is always faithful and always good to us. It's, it's my privilege again this week to open up God's Word with you, and so I do invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 90, Psalm 90 for the fourth and final message from this psalm as we, as we live in the shadow and surrounded by the circumstances of our present moment in time. This has seemed to be the text for us as the Lord's people. So please follow as I read, beginning in verse 1, all the way through the psalm, Psalm 90 and verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength eighty, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, this is our prayer this afternoon. Father, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray like this. Teach us to pray with prayers that are governed with these kinds of requests and petitions. Lord, teach us to pray. Guide us to pray. Lead us to pray, and then answer our prayers, we ask 
In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to confess up front that as we've worked our way through Psalm 90, I've changed my plans about four times in four weeks. And so what is coming today is not entirely what I had in mind when we started this series, but uh, it seems to be the fitting way to conclude our reflections on this wonderful psalm. And in light of the fact that we have entered into Holy Week, and this is Palm Sunday, and then Good Friday, and then Resurrection Sunday next week, uh, we will certainly be focusing on those glorious themes, those events of history, those redeeming works of God this Friday evening and on Sunday as well. My message this afternoon is going to be simple. As we face uncertainty, as we face our own vulnerability as human beings, as we face our own mortality in these strange days, we need to consider carefully the place we live. We need to be able to say, Lord, you have been our dwelling place. We need to consider carefully the God we trust. We need to know that the God in whom we trust is an eternal person. He has been from everlasting and He will be to everlasting. He is throughout all generations. We need to know that the God in whom we trust is the Almighty Creator. He is the one who brought forth the mountains and formed the earth and the world. And we need to know that the God in whom we trust is the Creator and the Sustainer and the Author and the Arbiter of life and of death. He holds our lives in His hands. We need to know where we dwell, where we live, the place we live, that our dwelling place is God. We need to know the God in whom we trust, and we need to be those who are considering how we pray, how we pray in times like this. We have seen that we should pray to the Lord, teach us to number our days and make us wise. We have seen that we should pray to the Lord, forgive us our sins according to your pity and your compassion. And this afternoon, I, I want to suggest that there are, there are three more things that we ought to pursue, that we ought to go after in our prayers. In the face of fleeting life, and years, Moses, the author of this psalm, wanted to experience three things, three experiences that would last. As he faced his own mortality, the fact that he would not last, not here on earth, as he faced his own limitations and mortality, he wanted to experience three things that would Last, a lasting love, a lasting joy, and a lasting legacy. Another way of putting that is that he wanted hope for the future, and he had hope for the future. 
We are those who do believe the Bible teaches that there's a place for lament and there's a, there's a place for grief. And surely, this is a season for lament and this is a season for grief and for weeping. But biblical lament and grief do not mean despair. They do not mean hopelessness. They mean sorrow. They mean tears. They mean confusion. They mean longing. But the truth is that we have hope. We have hope for things that will last. And that hope should fuel our prayers. And indeed, you might go so far as to say that hope is one of those things that makes Christianity Christianity, that makes Christianity what it is. We have hope in a sovereign God. We have hope in the Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter Resurrection Day Savior. We have hope for a better and brighter eternal tomorrow. We have hope. And in that hope, let us, let us pray for the same things that Moses prayed for, a lasting love, a lasting joy, and a lasting legacy. Notice the first request he makes in verse 14, a lasting love. Moses prays, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. There, there are really three things in this prayer request that I, that I want you to notice with me here. First of all, Moses wanted to be satisfied. And here he is expressing a fundamental human longing. We all want to be satisfied. We all realize that in our own experiences, in our own limitations, in our own journey through life, there is a certain measure of dissatisfaction, of discontent, and we cry for that which will satisfy. The, the word that Moses uses means that he, he, he wants to be filled up. He wants to be supplied fully. He wants to have an absolute and a complete and a permanent enough experience in his life. This is something for which we all crave. I've illustrated it before in this way, our, our desperate search for contentment and our inability to find it in this world and in this life. I've illustrated it this way. Imagine that you had everything you could ever hope for. Imagine that you had all the best and all the brightest of what this world has to offer. Imagine that you have all the latest clothing, all the latest technology, all the latest cars, all the latest toys, all the latest food, all the latest and best of everything that there is, and in addition to that, none of it would ever rust, none of it would ever break, none of it would ever wear out. So imagine that, have that going on in your mind right now, and then wrestle with this question. How long do you think it would be until you want one more thing? How long would it be before what you had has grown boring to you, dissatisfying to you, where you're longing 
for one newer thing, one brighter thing, one better thing. You see, folks, we cannot fill the vast void of the human soul. This, our souls are made, as Solomon says, we have eternity in our hearts. Our souls are made for something far bigger, far better, far more beautiful, far more satisfying than anything this world offers the stuff of this world, the fun of this world, the wealth of this world, the health of this world cannot satisfy us. And we're seeing that now, aren't we? How fleeting health and wealth can be. And yet, the world keeps on pressing on. The world keeps on promising us something that it cannot deliver. Reminded me of the words of David Wells, who observe that we have chosen a world in which we imagine that God has done a disappearing act. And what are we left with? Only what is shifting and changing. What is superficial and impermanent. If God has done a disappearing act, all we have left is ourselves and what we can make of ourselves. There's nothing satisfying in those. And when that is so, trying to find meaning and contentment is, in another author's words, quote, like leaping off a precipice and trying to knit yourself a parachute on the way down. How many people, even listening to me right now, are, are knitting parachutes while in a free fall? trying to desperately knit a parachute of meaning and contentment, and yet it is nothing but futility. We long for contentment. We long for satisfaction. We long for a settled sense of enough. An enough that is stronger and lasts longer than anything this world has to Offer. And so Moses says, satisfy us. Now, he knew he was made for something more. Now, what was that more? Well, notice what Moses wants to be satisfied with. He wants to be satisfied with God's steadfast love. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. The, the Hebrew word that Moses uses here is a fascinating one. It's, it's layered and has many facets to it like a gorgeous diamond. And for that reason, because of all the different facets to it, translators have a hard time figuring out what word to use to translate it. So one translation calls it mercy, another loving kindness, another faithfulness, another unfailing love, or loyal love, or steadfast love. You see, it speaks not just of kindness, not just of mercy, not just even of love, but a steadfast love, an unfailing love, a faithful, covenanted, lasting Love. He wanted a love that lasts. He wanted a love that would never quit. 
The, the, the Hebrew term is used many times throughout the Old Testament, but nowhere more frequently or wonderfully than in Psalm 136, in which the term is repeated over and over again. Perhaps you're familiar with that psalm. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Why? For His steadfast love endures Forever give thanks to the God of gods. Why do we give thanks to the God of gods? For His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. For His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who alone does great wonders. For His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who by understanding made the heavens. For His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who spread out the earth above the waters. For His steadfast love endures forever. Do you get the idea here? His steadfast love endures forever. This is a lasting love. So as Moses faces his own mortality and realizes that his life here on earth and the life of people around him that he loved dearly, that that life was not going to last. He wanted something that would last and would last forever. He longed for a lasting love. And there's one more thing in this petition that Moses offers. He wants to be satisfied with God's steadfast love in the morning. In the morning. Connect that to the phrase later, all our days. And I think you could put his thought like this, Lord, satisfy us with your steadfast love with each new day. As each new day dawns. Lord, please satisfy us with your steadfast, with your lasting love. I know you can relate. I can. I do. As all that's going on is going on, there is certainly one thing we need above all else, and that is to know that we are loved and to know that we are loved with a lasting love. There's something shocking about Moses' request here, that he would dare to ask for steadfast love in light of what we saw last week, that, that Moses and the people were facing mortality and death because of their many sins, their many iniquities, their many secret sins. And, and we saw last week that he, that he prays for pity. He prays for forgiveness. But here he goes beyond just asking for forgiveness. It's not just that he's content with being pardoned, with being forgiven. No, he's going after all of it. He, say, he is saying, Lord, I want more than your forgiveness. I want your love. And I want that love to be steadfast. And I, this is almost a shocking request coming from any sinner to God who is holy, 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 that we would dare to ask Him to love us and to love us with a lasting love. What an amazing request. Moses must have known something. And he did. You see, this is the same Moses 
who about 40 years before had led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And he had seen God deliver his people. And, and through the Passover lamb, had seen the, the, uh, the death angel pass over the houses of the Israelites. He had seen what God in his covenant love had done before. He had seen God's deliverance. He had seen Passover in person. And he knew how much God loved him. And so he dared to ask, Lord, satisfy us with your steadfast love. And Moses looked back to the Passover lamb. But in the Passover lamb, there is a look ahead. There is a foreshadowing to Palm Sunday and Good Friday. To the event where God Himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ would love us so much and demonstrate His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ would die for us. This is amazing love. How can it be that Thou, my God, shouldst die for me? We have every reason to make this request to God. Lord, satisfy us with Your steadfast love. We have every reason to be confident that God will answer this prayer. We have every reason to believe that He is going to give us and already has given us His lasting love. We can know this because He has given us His Son. And in this Holy Week, we remember the, the depths of sorrow and pain and agony and suffering and dereliction that His Son went through so that you and I might be redeemed. So that you and I might know the Father's love. This, this all brought back to mind. And I realized that as I quote old hymns, I'm dating myself and demonstrating that I am older, but I love old hymns, and thinking on the lasting love, the steadfast love of God made me think of this hymn by George Robinson, loved with everlasting love, led by grace that love to know, spirit breathing from above, thou hast taught me it is so. Oh, this full and perfect peace. Oh, this transport, all divine, in a love which cannot cease. I am His, and He is mine. Things that once were wild alarms, things that were terrifying, coronaviruses, and all that comes with that, things that once were wild alarms, cannot now disturb my rest, closed in everlasting arms, pillowed on the loving breast. Oh, to lie forever here, doubt and care and self-resign, while He whispers in my ear, I am His and He is mine. Taste the goodness of the Lord, welcomed home to His embrace, all His love as blood outpoured seals the pardon of His grace. Can I doubt His love for me when I trace that love's design by the cross of Calvary? I am His and He is mine. His forever. His forever. Only 
his. Who? The Lord and me shall part. Ah, with what a rest of bliss Christ can fill the loving heart. Heaven and earth may fade and flee. Firstborn light in gloom decline. But while God and I shall be, I am His and He is mine. While God and I shall be, I am His and He is mine. How long shall God and I be? Forever and ever and ever. While God and I shall be throughout eternity, I am His and He is mine. Moses prayed for a lasting love. May we pray in this hour of trial that God would satisfy us with His steadfast love. Second, quickly, Moses prayed for a lasting joy. Not just a lasting love, but a lasting joy. Look at verses 14 and 15. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Moses' prayer was that he might rejoice and be glad. That was language for loud shouts of joy, resounding celebratory joy. He wanted to celebrate. And he wanted to celebrate, notice verse 15, he wanted to be glad for as many days as God had afflicted them for as many years as they had seen evil or calamity. He wanted this joy to last. Now what's amusing here, I don't know if amusing is the right word, but uh, what is interesting here is that Moses doesn't ask really for enough here. He says, okay, we suffered for X amount of days. Now, Lord, give us a joy that lasts that same amount of days. You know, kind of balance the scales in our life. So how does God respond to this question as we see God act and love throughout Scripture? It's basically something like this. I'll tell you what I'll do, Moses. I'll give you a joy that doesn't just last for as long as you've suffered. I'll give you a joy that doesn't just last for the number of days of sorrow that you've had or the years of sorrow. I am going to overwhelm you, your days of sorrow, with an eternity of joy. I am going to not just balance the scales. I'm going to preserve for you in heaven an inheritance of joy. Another psalmist says in Psalm 16 in verse 11, You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That's the joy that God promises to us. Yes, we have days, we have years, we have seasons of sorrow, but God is going to give us a joy that lasts forever. He is going to overwhelm 
the number of days of sorrow with an eternity of joy. There is indeed an inheritance awaiting us, an inheritance for all who love the Lord Jesus Christ, an inheritance of great joy, the joy of eternal forgiveness, the joy of everlasting love, the joy of sinlessness, the joy of peace, the joy of seeing the very face of Christ, the joy of being reconciled with those we love, the joy of being a part of a new unified humanity in the presence of God. I will give you joys and pleasures forevermore. Moses wanted lasting love. Moses wanted lasting joy. And third, let us join Moses in praying for a lasting legacy. This is the point of verses 16 and 17. Let your work be shown to your servants. In other words, Lord, show us what you're doing. Continue to work even in our mortality, even as we wander in the wilderness in Moses' day, even as we live through these days of trial. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. O oh Lord, we want to see your power not just in our lives, but in our children's lives. You, you kids that are watching right now, God has a power. He has a glory. He has a might about Him, a strength about Him that He wants to display in your life and in my life, in our life together. Moses prays, Lord, may Your glorious power be shown to and lived through Your children. And then he goes on and says, Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is fascinating. Moses throughout this psalm has been talking about how fleeting his life is, how transitory it all is, how mortal it all is, how his life is not going to last. But while conscious that his life is not going to last, he wants his work to last. He wants to leave behind a legacy. May the favor of the Lord be upon us. That word speaks of beauty and favor and blessing. May God's beauty, His favor, His blessing be upon us. And in verse 17, Lord, establish, make firm, make secure, make enduring the work of our hands. He prays that even though he and his people will not last, their work will. Friends, this is important. In days like this, uh, it is very easy to uh, lose hope, uh, very easy to lose initiative and intentionality in life and work. Days of sorrow, days of calamity, days of awareness of our mortality can, um, you know, with many, can lead to apathy and indifference. It's important that we realize that there is still work to do and there's still a legacy to leave. We may be mortal and life may be fleeting, 
But there is a work to do, and there's a legacy to leave behind in each other's lives, in the church, in our marriages, in our families, with our children, in our world. For the sake of gospel truth and neighbor love and biblical justice, there is work to do. But if it's going to last, if it's going to endure, God is going to have to make it happen. Lord, establish the work of our hands. Let us, let us in these days pray bold prayers. Let's not just pray for survival. Let's pray for survival, but not just for survival. Let us pray for God's power. Let us pray for His smiling favor upon us. Let us pray that He would show His power and His strength to us and to our children. Let us not be paralyzed or immobilized or traumatized by fear. Let us put our hand to the good work of changing diapers and teaching our children and bringing them up in the fear and faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us engage our hand and heart in sharing Jesus and building family and establishing the church and doing good and loving justice and mercy. Let us, let us realize an old saint uh, put it like this in a day when people lived far, uh, they lived far fewer years. They did not live to be as old as we do today. This old saint put it like this, we are immortal until our work on earth is done. We are immortal until our work on earth is done. Corona can't touch us. Nothing can touch us until our work on earth is done. And awareness of our mortality should only increase our zeal for that work. Should not diminish it. So this is how we should pray. O oh Lord our God, we want to do good and great things for You. So please, Lord, in our pursuit of holiness and love and in our commitment to obedience to Your wonderful law, establish the work of our hands, O Lord. And as we labor in love to build our marriages, Lord, establish the work of our hands. And as we seek to raise and train our children that they might know You and love You and serve You, Lord, establish the work of our hands. As we bear witness of our faith to this generation in these troubling days, establish the work of our hands. As we work toward racial understanding and unity and love, Lord, establish the work of our hands. As the mission of our church and our family of churches continue to expand, Lord, establish the work of our hands in our pursuit of education and skill and art and beauty and craft. Establish the work of our hands, O Lord, as we aim to influence justice and mercy and kindness in our land. O Lord, establish the work of our hands in all that we do in fulfilling the great commission to reach the world with Your grace and love in Jesus Christ. Lord, establish the work of our hands. Give us vision to aim. Give us, 
Give us hearts to work. Give us hands to build. Give us feet to stand. Give us strength to endure. And then in the end, O Lord, may Your favor be upon us to bless and to establish our work so that we may have a legacy, a gospel and kingdom legacy to leave behind for our children and for all who come after us. Father, we ask all of this not for our own glory. We ask this not for our own praise so that we can have a legacy that's a monument to us. But Lord, we ask all this so that we could have a legacy which is a monument to Your glory and to Your grace in this and in every generation. Lord, we long to be satisfied with a lasting love and a lasting joy and a lasting legacy. And we know that we do not deserve any of this. That our only hope for having any of this is in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That one who rode into Jerusalem humbly as king on a donkey. That one who willingly walked to and laid himself down upon the cross. That one who dwelt in death for three days and nights, but then on the third day rose again. It is all because of Christ. Lord, satisfy us with your love, with your joy, with your legacy. All because of Christ. He alone gets the glory. He alone gets the praise.